Welcome, Mark. So Mark uh, is a serial entrepreneur. He runs a few tech companies and one primarily, which is Kahuna's. He's got a huge background in building fitness apps and is a genius when it comes to all things technology and the future of where the world is going So and has an amazing mindset. So we've already had a fascinating conversation starting before the podcast began. So this is going to be a very interesting conversation. So thank you very much for your time, Mark. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for inviting me. So to begin with, what I'm really interested with your opinion on is where do you think artificial intelligence is going? Because I saw you like share some crazy shit recently in terms of like, and like the, the idea of this because I like automating stuff. Yeah. And you being a tech guy, like automating stuff is in regards to like, you could make content, but like you could have like AI do it for you. So you could, I could put in like, I want to do X, I want Charlie to do X, Y, Z and yeah. the, the machine of the matrix could make it for me. Yeah. Where, where is everything going? So that's known as deep fakes where you can take, so I, I could film you from different positions and then I could take snippets of your voice doing various different like responses and talking about various things. And then I could put that into an AI and then I could build a fake Charlie. And then I could post content as you. So people have done this with probably the best one on YouTube is with Tom Cruise, where you wouldn't be able, you'd struggle to be able to tell that it's not Tom Cruise because the guy that does it has the same mannerisms as him. So then it takes Tom Cruise's face and his voice and superimposes it on top of this actor so that it looks and sounds like Tom Cruise, but it's obviously not. Uh, and most recently, there's one with Mark Zuckerberg, with Elon Musk. There's quite a few that are out there now. It's fascinating you say that, because it just came into my head, is that I actually said to my girlfriend yesterday that I, I wish I could duplicate myself like four times, because yeah. then I could have like, I could run everything with my business, do everything, which I try to do anyway, which is a really bad idea, I would <laughs> suggest. Do you think we'll get to the point where we can have even more advanced AI than that. Yeah, for sure. So there's a thing called Moore's law, law of Computing, which is the idea that every year the, our power in processes doubles every single year. And we're slightly ahead of schedule in terms of how much power we currently have with computers. And the difficulty has always been is with the power of the processors, how much you can fit into any one area on a circuit board. But as we increase our technology and things get smaller, we can increase the rate at which we can create this power to process information, right? So if you think about computers back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, they couldn't do very much. And the first games we had were sticks like Pong with a square just bouncing across the screen. And over the next 10 years, because of this rule of Moore's law of computing, we're, it's tipped that we're going to do like the equivalent of 200 years worth of tech over the next 10 years. And when we look at that on a graph, so if you have the graph here and we see in the beginning, we have this slow ascension across the graph. But as we're doubling year on year on year, it starts to go like this. And then by the year 2045, that line's going to go vertical. And at that point, we're going to hit what's known as the singularity, where within that time frame, computers will have the collective knowledge of every single human that's ever existed throughout the whole of time. And they'll be more intelligent than us and be able to think quicker than us, faster than us, do everything better than we can do. It sounds really weird, but that's when it, it's the first thing it brings to mind, like the iRobot scenario. Yeah. And I remember watching Elon Musk and listening to him on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast talking about like his fear of AI. Yeah. Do you think that's something that's actually a reality? Yeah, I think it's a very real fear that people should have. I think I know Elon Musk, um, Bill Gates, and many of the other people very high up, high up in tech companies are urging governments now to start thinking about it and like what we can do to put things in place. There's actually AIs now. So th there's um, a test, the Turing test, which is where you can be presented with a computer. You don't know. So let's say we put a screen up in front of you and whether it's a computer or a person and you have to ask questions and you have to then determine whether or not you're speaking to a human or if you're speaking to a computer. And we're now at the stage where the computer can convince you that it's a human and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So we're already at a position whereby they're starting to question whether like code can become conscious or be sentient. And then what that means, because if code ultimately can become sentient, so you create an AI that can build upon itself and build its own code, if then it becomes a being of sorts, does it then have rights? Does it have, are there 
like laws and things it has to adhere to? Can it be punished for things? And then how much control do we give it? Because if it's connected to everything and anything, it could do anything it wants to do. And so we really will fall into this position. This is coming up, you know, over the next... 25 years. This is our lifetime. Yeah, our lifetime, which is going to have huge consequences. And there's so many negative things that can be associated with that, but so many positives. So we'll be able to do things like map the entire genome. So anyone that's like a Gen X person right now, it's likely that we'll be able to stop aging by the time they'd reach 80 or 90 and even reverse it. So anyone that's in Gen X probably won't die unless they hit a severe accident or something like that. We'll be able to eradicate nearly every disease that there is through genetic engineering and uh, manipulating our genomes. We'll be able to, I, I kind of see a future where, imagine you go in, instead of getting Botox and filler, you could have the color of your eyes changed or the color of your hair changed or the color of your skin. And also leading into like fitness with this, there's, so nanotechnology is gonna become a very big part of what we do. And so they'll be able to put these tiny little robots. So that's why they're nano, like tiny, the size of your cells into your body. And they'll float around in your bloodstream and they'll be connected to a device like your mobile phone. And they'll record all of your biometric feedback without you having to ever do anything. And let's say there was something in your blood that these nanobots could detect, Charlie might have a heart attack. Like based on this information, this data, we could see that he's gearing himself up for a heart attack. So you just get a call from your doctor. Charlie, I've received all your data from the nanobots. Like it looks like this is happening. We need to bring you in for some more tests. And they've even recently developed carbon nanotubes, which are these like single atom sized tubes inside your body. And at the moment they're doing it in a lab, so in like a, a Petri dish. But the idea being that they could implant these under your skin and sugar, blood sugar would run through your these nanotubes and they change color. So if you're a diabetic and you started to go hypoglycemic, your arm could turn red and then you'd know, oh, my blood sugar is dropping, I need to get some sugar. Or it could turn green if it's too high or something. So we've got a lot of cool stuff to come. With that in mind, like, are you more excited or afraid? Or are you sitting in the middle or both? I'm just excited for it. Like, I'm so excited for it. I think, so this will be a tangent, but for me, we're on the cusp of like absolute brilliance as a human race. Like we are so close to being amazing at everything, but at the same time, we're so close to everyone destroying each other. And have you ever heard of the um, Utopia rat study? No. Okay, so 1960s, I think it was. They built an environment for rats and they set the temperature, perfect temperature for what rats would thrive in. Gave them all the food they could want, all the resources they could want, no predators or anything like that. And the rats reached 80% of population. So they could have gone to 100%. They reached 80% of population before they all killed each other. And it was that they started to do really weird things. So the mother rats, because they didn't have predators or there was no worry about scarcity of food, would just have babies and just forget about them, leave them for everyone else to, to sort themselves out. There'd be groups of rats that would just spend all day grooming themselves, trying to look pretty, like just cleaning themselves all day long, just trying to be as pretty as possible. There was rats that de developed severe anxiety where they would sit in little groups and huddles together and just shake and like anything that happened, they'd be like really anxious about. And the scientists created this whole incredible environment for them and they got to 80% and everyone died. What, like as you were talking then, what instantly came to mind that actually sounds like society today. Because yeah. if you think about like retrospectively the issues that have been over the last 200 years, World War One, World War Two, whatever, like those were real problems people had in society. Yeah. And you look Look at the amount of people now who have depression, anxiety, suicide, whatever, yet they probably got shelter, food, money, whatever. Yeah. It's a very interesting thing to think that that's quite a strong correlation in some respects yeah. till we get to that point, maybe. I think that too. Like, and that's why I think when I see that, like, we are so close. Like, imagine having the power in computing that we could wipe out disease, that we could 3D print. So, I mean, you could do this already. You could 3D print food. So, we could take cells from a chicken or a cow, and then we can create burgers, like, from a tiny cell. We can create thousands, thousands, thousands of burgers. So, we could get rid of, like, um, agri like 
farming for animals. We could do so many things that would better this world. But at the same time, because of things that are happening in society now, we can see that there's huge breakdowns, even in Western cultures, whereby you would think that there's an abundance of money and people being in very stable systems. There's huge breakdowns on a social level that's causing uprising, upset, and things that really could threaten us. And alongside all of that, the AI might just think we're all like worthless anyway and get rid of us. We're trying to take over the world. Yeah, trying to take over. The reality of that happening, I'd like to think, is, is fairly slim. To come back to like a fitness aspect of things, mm. how do you like with the AI you mentioned about the nanobots? Do you think that's the point where you could almost get to like say you could have nanobots that make you stronger, fitter, and you almost become like a cyborg sort of situation? And again, then do you think that's like almost the same equivalent of performance enhancing drugs in sports? Like again, that's going to give people an advantage, and then how do people control that? If you see what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think it will give an advantage. Like there have to be tests, but I don't know how you'd be able to test for it. So for instance, there was uh, I believe it was in China a doctor who recently went to prison because. Because when his, he had twins, but in the embryo stage, he used, I believe, CRISPR technology to edit the genes of his children. And so his children, they can't get heart disease. It's impossible for them to get heart disease. He knocked out the genes for it. And so he, when this was found out and he went public about it, he's now, for moral reasons and ethic reasons, gone to jail. But we're at that stage now already. So in the future, you could... It's not beyond the realms of possibility to think that you could almost like literally design your baby, like of how you'd want it to be. And then once we understand, we're way off right now, but once we're able to map the whole genome and we're able to identify which genes specifically do what, we'd be able to switch on and off genes to like build any kind of baby you want. When you start thinking in that aspect, it's quite frightening. And again, I guess where you're going in terms of like the acceleration of the technology curve and how that's sort of working. Yeah. And I think that's when the avenues and the options of I don't know, other businesses that open up from it and other things that you wouldn't even think about. So like, even for example, like without the iPhone, I wouldn't be sitting here. Wouldn't yeah. be on a podcast. It wouldn't be, you wouldn't have an app. Like all these things wouldn't be happening. And that's how like one piece of technology can literally change yeah. the entire world. And um, with that being said, where like obviously you have the Kahuna's app, which is amazing in terms of... Uh, online trainers training clients all over the world and it's been very successful and very needed within the market thank you what um where do you see that going with the advancement in technology you talked about in terms of ai because one of the things even i thought about was like maybe at one stage like i could make a training program where i'd come up as like a virtual 3d thing and like demonstrate the exercise yeah i'm just like things sometimes go off my head and i try and think ahead where is this going longer term if that makes sense yeah yeah i think so when we talk about like the metaverse now there's a lot of uh, scrutiny around the metaverse and how it looks at the moment and it kind of seems like a, a long way off for and, and the reason for that is that the resistance to entry is very, very high. To get into a virtual world right now, you have to buy very cumbersome gear, like a huge headset you have to put on. It's heavy, it's hot, it costs a lot of money most people can't afford. And you're not going to take that with you to the gym. But there is like a path that I can see whereby we do end up having this augmented world. So Apple, I forget the name of it, but Apple have just like released this, the part of their company that's going to be used and involved in augmented reality and virtual reality. And so they're going to be releasing glasses as early as next year, it's predicted, where by you will have some sort of element of technological interaction using these glasses in the real world. So imagine now with these glasses, I can look at you and it could give me, this is a little bit in the future, but imagine if your privacy settings are enabled so that I could look at you and see your latest like Instagram post as a video in front of me. Or, and whilst I'm looking at you, I could could, like get a call from my mum and I'm like, Siri, answer the call. And now my mum's in front of me, like I'm talking to my mum. So the next step is going to be glasses. Then after that, and there's already very rudimentary prototypes of these done that you can go and look at is contact lenses so you then go from glasses to contact lenses whereby imagine being at the gym and you load up your workout on your phone and then charlie you're in front of me and you're showing me like going through the exercise right in front of me no one else can see you it's being projected on the the contact lens but i think that that's a real integration we're going to have this integration of like augmented reality before we get to like full-on immersive 
virtual reality. What I find interesting about that is even, I feel like I'm old, but like <laughs> when I think back to like, I don't know, when I was like 15, 16, like iPhones and stuff like that didn't exist. Yeah. And then like you think now like I go on my phone, live stream to anyone in the world I want to, like yeah. hundreds of people real time. The technology to do that, and like you said, how quickly that's come about and how quickly things are changing, it's crazy. Even if you think about the advancement in social media platforms the last five to 10 years, what you can do with it yeah. is nuts. And I think that's where there's gonna be a huge amount of opportunities that are gonna come from this. And I think it's gonna be the people who have their eyes and ears open and think differently, who will then be able to maximize your opportunities from that. Yeah, for sure. And we wanna try and use AI and machine learning as much as possible. Like for Kahunas were getting the basics right first. So that's first and foremost, we have to do that. But kind of a passion thing of mine that I'm going to be developing with the team next year is taking biometric feedback from wearables and then building a big data pool of your client's history and then creating kind of like triggers and warnings for things that are taking place. So what I mean by that is, let's say your client is, their HIV's dropped, their sleep's got worse, their hunger's gone up or something like that. Um, you'd go to their check-in and it would pop up and say, Charlie, like Mark's struggling. Like this week, his HIV's dropped, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. We recommend that you reduce his volume and give him some extra calories on Friday or something. And you just click yes. Like you want to, don't just go in, do the plan or anything, you just click yes. And now the tracking is constantly measuring that biometric feedback. Three days later, you get a notification. Charlie, it looks like Mark's recovered now. It looks like he's in a good place. Do you want to bump everything back to where it was? And you just click yes. And so we really want to make coaching as easy as possible for everyone so that you're kind of overseeing it, but that using all of this data and biometric feedback, it makes the process like seamless for you. Out of interest from your perspective as developers and on the tech side of things, I'm going to, this is probably a stupid question. I presume in the regards that these platforms get more complicated, does that make it even more complicated? for you to build and manage them and more things to go wrong yeah for sure yeah the biggest thing is the data like when you have millions of lines of data in a database and then you're using code to look that up it has to trawl through that database every time to find the specific bit of information it wants and so the only way to make that efficient is just to have more and more server power more resources so that it can work as quickly as possible makes a lot of sense. Now, one of the things we haven't talked about, how do you think AI is going to affect social media? Interesting. I think it's going to be difficult moving forward to know what is real and what's not. Like, I mean, even with filters now, some of the filters like on TikTok and Reels are insane. And so the more we move into the future, the ability to showcase yourself as someone you're not is going to become increasingly easier and so then what does social media become it goes away even more fake yeah even more fake it's just it's not it doesn't become a real thing then it's just all make-believe i think that's what's interesting because i already feel it's starting to go that way a little bit now yeah and i don't know quite how people could tell that and i think a lot of people from what i find frustrating from say within the fitness and health industry perspective Actually, we can talk about two aspects. Fitness and health industry perspective. People photoshopping photos, like girls, for example, doing that, making their ass look massive and bending the mirrors, yeah. whatever they're doing. It's then giving women like completely false expectations and sure. then causing loads of body images. And then second, the other aspect that you've got people who are like making out like they've got online business and making loads of money and then trying to sell people shitty courses and yeah. Sam stuff. And then that's making other people feel bad because they don't feel like they're on that mm -hmm. level and it's like creating that comparison syndrome. So that's, I think, where... Social media is the most amazing thing in the world. I wouldn't be doing what I do without it. I'm on a podcast right now, but it also causes a lot of problems that yeah. come with that. Has that affected your business ever negatively in any respect in terms of that, or has social media always been good for you? So, so I never, when I started out, I didn't use social to like kind of start working and do what I was doing. But for the businesses I'm involved in, it's always been, it makes it increasingly difficult because you're in social, you're trying to build trust with people, right? And it's increasingly more difficult to gain people's trust because there's so many people out there doing really like underhanded things just to get money out of people. So if people have been burnt or, you know, people go through diets up and down all the time and then they come to you and you've got the right answer, it's, I found, and I'd love to hear this from you as well, over the last probably 
two years, the life cycle now from the initial interaction with the customer to then getting them onto one of our platforms is much longer. It used to be that it was like an impulse and now it's like a much more considered, is this the right brand? Is it the right person? Are they actually gonna be able to help me um, to actually get them to try it out? Uh, I would agree with that 100%. So there's a couple of different things that I'd say the reason for that is. Uh, one is consumer behavior that people get are now aware they're getting sold to. So if mm. you look at, for example, TV adverts, when they first came on, no one really knew they're actually being sold to. So like they worked phenomenally well. Then everyone realized and they just switched off. Then if you look at like films, for example, we'd have product placement of Costa Coffee and then for example yeah. Tom Cruise is drinking that and then like oh everyone wants to buy that and then suddenly people start to realise it's really obvious that AP or Omega are paying James Bond to wear a watch yeah. and then that people switch off from that like Aston Martin and James Bond for example and then I think the same thing on social media people start to realise that there's a lot of people out there who are just selling shit all the time yeah. and they don't actually provide any value which is why I personally like doing like City Before this like I like doing content like this long form content because people can see your personality like you yeah, come yeah. across great people can see Thanks. your like who you are in a real person whereas in like an, like an image of me looking jacked standing on the beach with my abs doesn't really doesn't yeah. adds no value to anyone yeah. but in this conversation we can give someone a piece of information that can change their life or motivate someone to like go from a shitty place to a better place Sure, and that's where getting people into people's like longer form content where they can know like and trust you is where it pulls people over but I would agree 100% and I think a lot of that I think is where as you said people have been burnt because there's a lot of people doing shady shit and all sorts of things and I've come a cropper from it mm-hmm. where they're just trying to like quick money grab with stuff yeah, yeah. whereas the way I look at everything is like I mean all these things I'm doing right now for life like I love business fitness traveling whatever mm. and it's like brand building and that's the way you think people who are going to do well long term think because they're looking at like how can they create brands or themselves as a brand sure. and provide so much value to people that people know like and trust them and want to keep buying from them yeah. because that's the goal like say like software companies like you but knows that you get clients in and they fucking love it and they never leave yeah that's the goal yeah yeah and that's and that's cool. I don't know if that's what you've seen. Yeah, for sure. And more and more over the last couple of years, I think people are are lost on social. Like people, a huge reason that people are on social media is for validation. And so that's probably not the best place to go for, for validation, like of your life and you as an individual. And so many times you might be looking for it in the wrong place. So finding and connecting with someone who's a trusted, reliable source that can help you to get to your end goal is like the onus is on you as a content creator to build that relationship, to help people that are struggling with something and you showing them that you're able to solve the problem for them easier than they, than they can do it for themselves. And that it's a trusted actual relationship. It's not just I'm selling you something. It's we're in this together and I'm going to like hold your hand and take you through it. It's a, a common thing I see. And I think one of the things you mentioned there is in regards to people just posting shit for the sake of it or posting completely yeah. unwarranted stuff or copying each other. And I think that's where the, one of the big things to see is people need to be true to their values. Like I had a business coaching call with someone earlier and one of the issues he was having was that his previous business coach was trying to make him do stuff that he doesn't want to do that's not him. And it's right. like where if you're trying to, if you're creating a mask of who you really are, yeah. I think that's when it creates mental health issues and all sorts of problems sure. because you're almost like living a lie which isn't true to who you are yeah and how long can that last for if you're doing it like great if you suddenly got money coming in that's giving you options in your life you feel good about yourself but if you've got there through doing something you're not 100 percent behind how long is that going to last for before you get to the point of like bollocks to this i'm i'm done with it you know here's a good question do you ever get burnt out no i sort of power through and so do I. Like people always say to me, you need, you need to chill out, you need to not work so much. Even Michael over there says to me when I was competing, it's like, you need to slow down too much. You're like, if you fuck up, everyone's screwed. And I was like, when, when you love what you do yeah. and you're passionate about it, like, I like to put weird things in my bathroom mirrors. And like, one of the things I think this is like, 
work is not work to me work is play to me I, I, yeah, yeah. work is fun for me and that's the way I think it's like chess or fixing problems and like, yeah for sure it stimulates me and I enjoy the process of it because it's true to my values and I think those people who get burnt out or can't hack it it's because they, they're doing things for the wrong yeah. reasons and I see it you can see it people straight yeah, away yeah. it's the opposite for me if I'm not doing it that stresses yeah. me out right yeah <laughs> Like, so if we go on holiday and my wife's like, um, right, we need to take two days to relax and not do anything. For her, that's amazing. For me, I'm like itching that, oh, I want to be doing my work. With, this is an interesting thing to come into. So you've built uh, incredible businesses. How did you first get into the tech scene with particular online fitness stuff at BNE? So it was, it was kind of by chance. So I, going way back, started a recruitment company and I've been working for a recruitment agency for like three weeks and then I decided oh, I could do this on my own. Obviously I can. Never done it before but three weeks in I can give it a go on my How own. How old are you at that point? Um, 17 maybe, oh, something like that. Like it. <laughs> um, so I left and I thought right first thing I need is a, is a website because I'm doing sales calls. If people are going to take me seriously I need a website to send them to. So I started calling people up for a website and they were like it's thousands and thousands of pounds. I was like bollocks, like I don't have thousands of pounds. So I'm going to figure out how to do it. So I got like a guide, like website for dummies or something, sat there, learned code like line by line, read a bit of the book, coded a bit, like built myself this really crappy website over a weekend. Um, and then my, unsurprisingly, because I had no experience and thought I was the best in the world of sales, the recruitment business didn't work out. The UK recession hit and it all went to shit. So at that point I thought, all I can do now, because I've got nothing from school, so all I can do is build these pretty mediocre websites and try and make some money. So that's what I started doing. And started building websites then. I had a blip in between where I lost pretty much everything, but then eventually started going to the gym and then through my love of websites, I met like Jamie Alderton, Jordan Peters, people like that, Ben Pekulski, and then started building websites for them and then just evolved from there. Like then networking, after meeting people like that, networking just helped me to get my foot in the door with more and more people and then slowly work my way up that ladder to kind of where we are today. This is very interesting. Do you believe in university? If you want to be a doctor, then yes, I do believe in university. So if you, if there's a very specific thing, like if you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a doctor, go to university. Other than that, I don't see personally the benefit of university. I agree completely. It's like one of those things I think where people go to businesses to learn business. And mm. it's like the person you're learning from doesn't have a business because if they were really good at business, they wouldn't be a professor at university. Yeah. So it seems a bit of a fast. I mean, you, the best way I find for learning anything is by doing. Like you build, yeah. you learn technology and building websites by getting a book on building websites and actually like practicing and giving it a go. Yeah, it might be shit at the beginning, but like you learn from your mistakes and yeah, like, I think it's like the ten thousand hour rule. If you do ten thousand hours of anything, you get yeah, really good yeah. at it by the end. Exactly. And it's, and if you really want to do stuff, like if you want to educate yourself and learn, you can get courses from MIT online for free. Like there's, we have literally on your phone access to the entire planet. Like anything and everything you want to learn is there. So you don't need to go to university unless you need a specific qualification for like a medical job or something like that in my opinion but and I think that there's a lot to be said for failing right so you're only a failure if you actually give up and stop like if you fail and then you keep going it builds character and it helps you understand the things that work and the things that don't work and then over time you can kind of shift and shape and evolve alongside what you're doing rather than if, you, if I, I feel like if I went to university and they gave me here's everything you need to do and then day one you go out and you've got sh shitloads of debt and I can't I couldn't never see myself being better off had, having done all that than just trying to go at it alone for me I'm the last two three years have taught me a lot this year in particular like I'm a big believer in life experience and the experiences yeah. you have and you learn so much faster from that rather than like I don't know if you'd agree with this like I would rather employ someone who comes with experience like any day of the week rather yeah. than the smartest person in the world from university who's never done sure. anything because yeah, yeah. like like theory and practical reality of the world are com two completely different yeah. fields and you can say the same thing in terms of like from a business aspect and a training nutrition aspect you can say like this is the right type of diet you should give a client like but reality is are they going to 
stick to that. Yeah. Maybe not. So I think it comes down to people understanding that we aren't robots like like iRobot. We are human yeah. beings, and therefore the most important thing is managing people's psychology and their mindset to then get maximum results. Yeah, for sure. And I will, the caveat to that, because I always like to play devil's advocate with things, even if I think I'm 100% right on something, I'll still try and look at it from the other perspective, which is that for some people, I think university is good. All things aside, even if you're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer, I think there are people in the world that thrive and want to build businesses and want to be the leaders of the pack. But then I also think that there's people that want to be supporters within business. I want to grow within businesses and not necessarily be an entrepreneur. And if that's you and you like the idea of university, then I think maybe it has some merit. But if you're an entrepreneur and you want to go at it alone, then I wouldn't go to university. Would you recommend people be entrepreneurs? Honestly, years ago I would have said, yes, everyone should do it. But through things that I've gone through, like relationships with family members, some people I just think aren't, it's just not them. But that's okay. Like You don't have to be like so take my brother as an example i've done everything and anything he's got me to try and help him right so i've done everything and anything in my power to try and help him he had a pet shop and my wife was an international retail operations manager for a clothing brand so her job in retail was to fly fly to america and she was opening up stores for this brand all across the east coast of america so in terms of retail she's pretty amazing at what she's doing in terms of all the digital side and everything i do okay and so my brother running his pet shop he had both of us doing everything we could to help him but he just couldn't execute and follow through on the plan now, now he's had he arguably has pretty much the same genetics as me has had the exact same upbringing as me but he just couldn't do it and we did everything we could to help him and that was almost like an experiment for me that made me realize that shit there's people in the world that just then maybe not supposed to be entrepreneurs like maybe not everyone has to be like me and that was a real eye-opener for me it's interesting you say that because me and my brother are very similar in aspects it's similar oh, to really? sort of situation and i think that's where you realize some people and i for a lot of people listening to this like being a number two is probably better for you than being a number one yeah a lot of the problems and shit that comes with that like anything goes wrong kahunas everyone's like mark what do we do yeah and then if you don't know what to do you've got to try and like work out somehow yeah, yeah. and that's the reality whereas you have no one else you can ask you've got to try and figure out yourself yeah. whereas i actually did a I like a mindset coach i spoke to him yesterday and we identified that interestingly enough that like in a really weird sadistic way I like it when stuff goes wrong because yeah. it gives me stuff to fix it's a challenge and yeah, I like, yeah. like problem solving which is a bit of a weird paradigm when you start to like delve down the like realms of why your mind works and I find a lot of entrepreneurs are like that where yeah. they like to have something to fix or something to try and constantly work on because I know with me like everything we do will never be finished Yeah, and at Kahunas will never be finished it's always evolving yeah, yeah. you mentioned that word earlier yeah for sure and I, and I so that for me was a big realisation as well because when I was younger I always uh, in the very beginning it was a materialistic thing like I wanted more money that was just what it was money 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 and then over the last like 10 11 years I've had a real shift in terms of rather than focusing on a hundred percent on the outcome and like that's everything to me to enjoy like the day-to-day and the journey of it all and just each day overcoming challenges overcoming obstacles and they're almost like micro wins every single day for things that I'm doing and that gives me much more enjoyment like it makes me more content with what I'm doing what's the biggest business challenge you've overcome honestly the biggest business challenge is happening right now it's I've so I've grown businesses of the four businesses I'm involved in three of them are in excess of seven figure businesses and the fourth one's going to be in the next three to four. Let me ask them what the biggest businesses are are they all fitness apps yeah they're all okay, fitness yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. we will put more into that realm okay yeah so in the next three to four months the the fourth one's going to be as well so the fourth one being kahunas is growing much quicker than any of the others so in all the others i had time on my side whereby it took five six years to get to that position to go through everything but then coming to kahunas it's now rapidly growing so the biggest 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 hurdle for me is creating a team that's scalable to support the growth because i'm very if anyone's messaged 
like or WhatsApp me or emailed me or anything, I have a very high standard that I want to be able to deliver to people. And I don't want that to ever fall apart. And so for me, getting the right people in the team that really buy into what Kahuna's is and what we're doing is so important. And trying to do that fast is the biggest hurdle. It's funny you say that because as soon as you start talking, you know, it's a problem. Because the same problem I have. And that's the most difficult thing is when building business. And this is where suddenly, like, you talk about the life experience thing and stuff. It's yeah. like, um, we had Vadim from Bionic on the podcast uh, a couple of days ago. And he talked about how he was managing Groupon in Eastern Europe. And he, had, he was CEO and he had 1,500 employees. And I think of the problems we have at the moment, not problems, but challenges we have yeah. trying to grow and manage the amount of people we have now, let alone having that many people. Yeah. And then you start, I, I read the book, uh, Working Backwards from Amazon. I think they went from like it was something retarded they went in like 18 months they went up like 5,000 employees or something yeah. they were like exploding and you suddenly start to think like how on earth did they manage to like yeah. do this because it's that's the biggest problem with businesses is like the people the structure and the efficiency of it and trying yeah. to get it to like grow but not explode at the same time when it's moving in the right direction yeah. it's a great problem to have sure. but nonetheless it's still a challenge to try and fix yeah so that's the kind of thing we're going through at the moment like getting that right what for you do you think has been the biggest win of your business career so far so for me I see the biggest win in business is in the current amount of revenue that we're doing but not because of like a materialistic gain for me by having that in business means that I'm able to do things for family and friends that I've never been able to do and so that for me is probably like the biggest win. Like it's the whole purpose now for business. So before in the beginning when it was all about money, it's now about how I can fulfill the lives of my immediate family and what I can do to support them. And that is what kind of keeps me going. Because you get to a position, I'm sure you experience this as well, whereby the money thing kind of doesn't matter. Like you'd still be doing it anyway, even if you were getting paid half the money. But you get to a point whereby it's like, okay, well now what do I do with this money? Like, and the, the thing that gives me the most enjoyment is by being able to like see my mum's face when I'm like, oh, mum, book your flights to come over to Dubai or you know, do little things like that for them. Um, so that's probably the biggest win. Interesting thing that I see with people. Did you find, obviously, as your uh, career has flourished, that in terms of like, dealing with having, not dealing with having more money, but your mindset has to change with money as the more money you start to make. Cause yeah. like at some point your head starts to fall off a bit and it's then a bit of a weird situation where you can lose reality with the real world sometimes. And some things, yeah. like even for example, like it's a very common thing to have in Dubai, we have a housekeeper and she mm. mentioned, before anyone slates me, um, we, she mentioned to me yesterday something that her husband's out of work for for a year and then they've got two kids and something and I was like, fuck me. And like for me, I was like, I was thinking myself of like some stupid problem I had yesterday and that really grounded me in thinking like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like I haven't really got any serious problems or the problems I perceive are problems. Yeah are like very much first world problems. Have you, did you have like any like breaking moments where your mindset changed over the years with that? Yeah, totally. We went to Africa. We're going back to Africa for Christmas actually, but we went just before COVID. Um, and that for me was like a real, like, I mean, you see it on TV, like what it's like on TV, but to actually go there and to meet children. So we went to an orphanage and met children in this orphanage where no hot water, like only the kids who are under the age of four are allowed to use hot water. They eat like one meal a day. There's literally a shell of a building in surrounded by mud with bunk beds in it. And that was their life. And then outside of that, we'd go and meet like local families who literally lived in a mud hut, like a hut made of mud with sticks. They'd have, it was smaller than this room. And they would have a huge bed in there for maybe like a, a grandpa, parents and three kids to all sleep in together. They'd have a car battery with a wire that would just dangle into the middle with a, a light bulb. And we were we would just get like pissed off over the most ridiculous things like oh my iPhone's gonna die or where's my iPhone charger or something like the most and it, it's all relative like because you're in this you build up this bubble for yourself but then when you see it it's like it's devastating to see that people live like that and recently 
I've had the same kind of feeling with what's happening in like the UK, just from like family members in the UK, with like the energy bills going up, with how bad the pounds like dropped against the dollar and everything. And even my mum was on the phone the other day and she was telling me that she's got one of those meters yeah. like that tells you how much money you're spending. And she was like, oh, and I, I saw my meter was going up and it was like 10 pounds for heating. And I thought I better turn the, the heating off. I was like, mum, so, like send me your heating bill. Like don't be so fucking ridiculous. So that for me is anytime I step out of Dubai, to be honest, it's a real wake up call that the rest of the world isn't like this. With you moving to Dubai, what was a critical factor that made you move here and how have you found it? Because I think before the podcast mentioned you've been here for two years. Yeah. So we COVID hopped from the UK when UK went to lockdown, went to Spain. Um, my wife didn't enjoy Spain at all. So after like four or five months, we left there. We literally had a checklist of what do we want out of life? And it was, oh, I want a good gym to train at. I want access to healthy, decent food, all the like basic things. And then, so when Spain went into lockdown, we were like, oh, let's go and try Dubai. Got here and then just never looked back, really. Do you think Dubai is home for good? No. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think it's good for us now, but in five years, who knows? I think there's just so much more. I'm always curious as to like what else is out there. You come across as a very inquisitive type of person. Do you think that's the sort of thing that's helped you with Kahunas and the other businesses you have? Do you have ideas and you start exploring down rabbit holes? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We've already we've got other businesses lined up for next year already, which are gonna be fun. And yeah, always I, I always go down rabbit holes. If it, anything that it is, like I'm meticulous with, I'm really interested in like neurogenesis, trying as much as possible to avoid things that are neurotoxic. Very interested in like biochemistry, in epigenetics, but just, and all of that is a rabbit hole. But I, I just love finding out about new things. You clearly have a passion for learning. One question I was going to ask you is, do you find some people within the fitness industry very difficult to deal with? And like, obviously this is mainly what you're based on. And there can be a lot of egos within the industry sometimes. I think there, I think people can be misunderstood sometimes. Like the way some people come across on social media versus when you actually have a conversation with them are two completely different types of people sometimes. And I don't know why that happens. I've, I'm yet to meet anybody that I've seen on social, then met either in person or through a DM, that in both scenarios I've thought that they're a dick. Like, if I've thought that on social, then when I meet them, they're normally like the nicest person ever. And I don't know if their social is presented in that way to just get a rise out of people or to hit, like, to butt hurt people to get a reaction to build up a following or something. But there are, I think in any industry, there are egos. And with online training, how do you see that like changing within what you're doing Kahunas in the immediate future? What have you got planned with that? Yeah, so the big thing for us is we're focusing on the nutrition logger right now. So that's in end of next week, we're going to have some beta testers. So some of the original people that came on Kahunas, they're going to be testing it with their clients to make sure that it's all okay. And then all being well, we're going to launch the nutrition logger by Christmas. And then next year, we're going to get into the wearables. We're also doing a lot of stuff with um, like volume tracking uh, and like data points as well. And then as we head into like Q1, uh, sorry, the end of Q1, that's when we're going to start to build out this whole machine learning side of things. Something I just thought would be sick would be like automation to another level, but I don't know how practically be possible. Is if you could find a way, so like for say for example, you can do a dumbbell chest press, it would automatically link to the the app and it would update itself. I think that's probably impossible, but like something like that would be insane. Yeah. To go um, onto a slightly different tangent in terms of things, I know I can tell you're probably you're fairly like liberal in terms of your thought processes. What's your opinion on people getting banned from social media, like the, the Andrew Tate thing, uh, Donald Trump, and them coming back on? board with that yeah i think it's i think censorship is nuts on any level i think that at a company level you shouldn't have the right to censor people on a social media platform but you should give users the tools to censor things if they want to so if i don't want to see anything to do with donald trump then as a user i should have full control to completely eradicate him off of my version of twitter right so anything he posts he replies he comments any ads he runs anything his comp his business is associated with i should be able to filter that out based on my needs not on what someone's telling me that i can and can't listen to and i think that has kind of been the problem because 
because social media platforms are supposed to be like censor-free, free speech and all that stuff. But I do believe that there's people higher than my comprehension of things that would want to control free speech and therefore have different agendas to stop these people from being able to talk to people. So this is a very interesting conversation because I think this is something that's starting to become very apparent. There are certain people around the world who have a lot of control of yeah. things that go on. So like the Andrew Tate scenario where like I saw everything he, he had was basically shut down in like 12 mm. hours. Every bank account, payment processor, social media account, yeah. like an orchestrated like that. And when you start to see things like that, you're like, there's something that's like yeah. pulling the strings on things, which I think is then quite eye-opening in a lot of respects. For sure. it's I'm a great believer that I don't know enough about it, but logic would suggest that the companies that are making the most money in the world probably have the most control over and influence over what happens in government. So anytime that uh, I think there's a thing called like lobbyists who are people that hand, hang outside of like Senate meetings and things and try to convince Senates to pass bills and things on their behalf. And so just logic says to me that if I like own an oil company and I want you to pass this little law amongst everything else, if I come and offer you a lot of money to do it because it's going to benefit me, you're probably going to do it and I'm probably going to have some sort of element of control over the laws that are being written and so if money is being invested into a government then those investors are going to want something out of it and so I think that there's people above the face of governments above Biden and everyone that are actually controlling most of the things. It's the, the reality of the world, money rules the world and I think anyone yeah. who still doesn't understand that I think is probably fairly foolish because it's human nature in a way like to some respect everyone has a price and I think that's yeah. very much what's going on and even if you look at what happened in 2020 with the pandemic and stuff mm. there was a lot of very strange things going on and that's what I liked about Dubai because it was a bit like they didn't really give a shit where yeah. anyone else did they like closed for a little while and then like oh we're open you can do whatever you like yeah, yeah. so then everyone came here and I think that's probably it's interesting like I like like if you had like the butterfly effect of like yeah it's, so it's like that one knockoff effect I probably wouldn't be here right yeah, now for sure because that's what pushed me to come here for a longer period of time and start to get frustrated with the UK. Yeah. And then I think a lot of people are very similar. You probably wouldn't be here either, I guess. No, totally true. And it's, I think that the, so I think over the next few years, things are going to get drastically worse in terms of social divide and control from the government. And so I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but I mean, you obviously know about cryptocurrency, yeah. right? Um, so there's a thing called uh, CBDC, which is Central Bank Digital Currency. And what they've, this has gone in already. This is signed, like going to start transitioning and taking place. Um, but what this would allow banks to do is, or the Bank of England to do, is have a central dig digitalized currency whereby they could pay you, let's say you're on benefits or something, right? I can pay you the benefits. But within this legislation they've created, they've called it programmable, meaning that they will be able to, well, supposedly, that they will be able to have control over what you can and can't spend your money on. So if I decided that I didn't want you to go on holiday because you're on benefits and you should be spending it on food, then I'd be able to restrict you from buying plane tickets with it. If I wanted you to not drink alcohol, I could restrict that fast food all those things so there'd be an element of control that comes in with money and when we think about this is a tangent now but ai and like sort of blue collar jobs and the amount of jobs that are going to be replaced over the next 10 years with technology i believe that the government wants to create some sort of universal credit yeah credit that they control what you can spend it on and so then you just have a society of people that are 100 percent controlled by the people that are above making all the decisions for everybody which is kind of a scary thought process unfortunately i'm very much the same vision i think that's what's going to happen because mm. if you look at things logically look you've look i don't know your shop assistant at sainsbury's who works in the till that job's not going to be there in 10 years yeah 
is already happening. Yeah. And the same thing with I don't know, delivery drivers would probably be robot. Like everything yeah, is going to yeah. slowly start to go unless you have a very specialised job. Like, so what are they going to do with all these people? Mm. And you, the writing is on the wall very much in some respects. I yeah. think that's why it's very much within people's interest if you're listening to this right now is to get like, learn skills are important. Like you already said at the beginning of this, you can learn anything you fucking want on the internet. Yeah. Like now's the time you need to do this, not 10 years down the, down the line. And I think coaching, you've got a tremendous advantage over most people because your job is in building those relationships with people and helping people through something that they struggle with so it's an emotional driven outcome sometimes like with people that you're dealing with so it's not a product where you're going to buy x from me and there's a transactional process whereby that can all be removed it's if someone likes you and they resonate with your story then they're going to want to use your service and i think that will live long into the future because even if i could create an ai that you knew this ai was actually better than a coach it's an ai so you're, people are always going to want that human interaction, especially if they're being pulled back from having interactions in work environments and all that stuff. So you're more likely going to go with a coach because you can have that human connection. And so building those relationships with your potential customer are going to be paramount to like the success of your business. And I think that's where people need to understand that as human beings, we're emotional creatures, not logical creatures. Yeah. So if you can pull on people's emotions, get people to emotionally like you, we were talking about content earlier and longer form things, yeah, yeah. that's what's going to help you succeed long term. Because sure. you can have the greatest product in the world, but someone thinks you're a dickhead, like they're not going to buy yeah. it. And that's the reality is you need people to know, like, and trust you and provide value with what you do. And it's that reciprocity in terms of like giving mm. away all the time. And then people will eventually give back to you. Yeah, great. Which is what I'm a big believer in. And I think that's what's critical for everything in terms of going forwards. One thing I'd be interested to ask you, what do you think is the biggest mistake you see online trainers making? So the biggest mistake I see online trainers making is posting too much information about themselves. And I think this is in regards to, I think it's a validation thing as well, right? If you've built your audience on your physique and posting pictures of yourself and you get hundreds, if not thousands of likes, and now I post something that's of real value, but I only get 10 likes from it, that doesn't encourage me to continue to post. But ultimately, if you want to build a coaching business, you need to create content for who your dream customer is. Like I've said this before, like sit down with a pen and paper and draw out that customer persona. Like who is this exact person? And then create content for them. Don't create content for you. And that is probably the biggest mistake that I've seen in people that get stuck. They're at a certain amount, they can't get past it. Like they can't grow any further than they are. It's normally that they're not giving enough value to people. And I actually uh, read a book recently, I think it was called The Like Switch, which was about FBI agents, how they would go about recruiting spies. And it was, and I related this to like the life cycle of sales. And so they use an acronym of love, which they, they run through, which is, I've forgotten what the fucking acronym is. <laughs> Listen, observe. Yeah, that's I'm it. I'm making this on the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, observe, voice, and empathy. There you go. Half of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, had a complete brain fart then. Um, but what they would essentially do is that they would, before they go and ask someone, hey, do you want to come and be a spy, which is obviously a big ask, they would first of all start to find out, let's say you walk the same way to work every day. I would just start to walk that same path as you on the opposite side of the road. So you become aware that I'm kind of in the vicinity. Then after that, the next step would be um, just like starting to smile at you or wave at you or, or things like that. The next step would be like an element of reciprocation. So uh, if you were in the store and you perhaps didn't have the right change or something, I'd be like, oh, here you go. Here's like the extra few cents that you need or something like that. And it was about like building this relationship with people before you actually then go in for the kill to like get them to come and be a spy. And I thought about that with like being online. Like you could do the exact same thing. And it's like start off by just making people aware that you exist, then start giving like huge amounts of value for people for free and then slowly get them into this relationship with you where they're almost approaching you to come and do your coaching rather than you just like pitching straight out the gate. 
like, hey, come and buy my coaching service. I give the analogy, it's like walking up on, to a woman in a bar and trying to sleep with her straight away without yeah. trying to take her on a date. And it's that, I think that's the mistake I think a lot of people make. And I think it's that like banking that value with people so that they then trust you and they see the value. And I think from a trainer's perspective, the easiest tip I give to people is like, if you, you want to make content which is, um, has, is educational but has utility, so mm. something someone can learn but they can actually apply and be like, Charlie said do this bicep thing, I'm going to try it. Fuck, I've never felt my arms feel like that. Yeah. And they're like, this is what his free stuff's like. I wonder what his paid program's yeah, like. Yeah. And that's where if you give enough value away that's actually works and it's true. Like you mentioned in terms of the seven figure scaling systems Instagram page, and you haven't gone follow that. Like I just do like really short clips on there of just mm. stuff that I think is really helpful business wise. And like if people actually like that's probably as good as a mastermind if people just go to a yeah, room. Yeah. There's loads of stuff on there. It's just really short and to the point, and that's the way my brain works. Mm. But that's where people need to think is like, how can I give value away mm. for free that people can actually use, try it, and when they find it works, chances are when they actually need help or at that point, then they'll come to you. And it's that thing of like looking at the what's called like the buyer's pyramid that like 50% of people aren't ready to sign up for a coaching program or yeah. aren't ready to sign up for an app or whatever it might be or a business coaching program. Like, but the other 50% there's like 5% ready to go. The others are in that middle territory. Mm. And you can warm those people up and bring them into your ecosystem and move them up the pyramid if you put present them with the right information yeah. uh, and the right social proof consistently enough. Yeah, totally agree. And I think I, one of the words that I say is interesting is consistency. Yeah. Because I think that's probably the biggest mistake most people make is they lack the consistency. So like, for, I don't know, like people ask, I don't know, you must get this, like, what's the secret to growing your business? Yeah, doing the same things over and over and over again every day. <laughs> And it's not fucking exciting. Like, yeah. I literally have six things I know I need to do every yeah. day. And this is one of the issues I sometimes have with people who work for me. They want to go, it's red shiny object syndrome. I want to go yeah. do X, Y, Z. It's like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. And it's like, and you must, I know you get this, and I probably messaged you with stupid stuff. It's like, <laughs> everyone's an idea for it. It's like, oh, can you do this? Why don't you do this? So like, people have been to me like, why do you not launch a supplement brand? Why yeah. don't you make clothing? Why don't you? It's like, do you understand how complicated it is to launch yeah. a supplement brand? Like, how much of a distraction that would be? Yeah. Like just focus on the one thing you have and just do better at that yeah, and yeah. then like that's what you need to do. Just get the basics right. Mm. Just be very, very good at the basics and like do that day in, day out. But it's that's the boring stuff. It's the same thing with like someone trying to compete, well you know this from competing. Like you don't get there by every day or every meal changing what you're going to eat and do. It's you've got it mapped out and you're doing the exact same thing every single day, making these micro adjustments to get to that end goal. Exactly the same in business. Uh, it's like Groundhog Day. And I don't yeah. know, it's just, like, I'm super structured and routine with things. And it, it's sad and exciting at the same time. So, for example, I'm going to Vegas on Monday night for the Olympia for two weeks for my birthday. Nice. And I'm excited to come back after Christmas because I know I plan basically I've got five months where I'm not going to fucking go anywhere. Yeah. I can lock myself in a routine and focus on business, work, training, and just go like, I know how much I can accelerate in that period yeah. of time being like locked into a proper routine rather than most of this year I've been gallivanting around the world and I had a lot of personal issues I was trying to deal with at the same time. Sure. And like when you've got yourself in a great structured routine and like optimized everything, you can then achieve so much more. Yeah. Would you say you're a big fan of like routine and structure yeah every single day is exactly the same and if it's not then it causes massive disruption so this actually today causes massive disruption like tomorrow i'm going to be mentally exhausted because it's such a um like a strange thing that i don't wouldn't normally be doing what would you say is the the biggest challenge biggest things pushed you outside your comfort zone this year being the face of kahunas is the the most difficult one because it's because i'm so structured and so uh, obsessive compulsive and then I've also I've always been the guy behind the scenes right in building out these platforms helping people with their strategy building out everything and now I'm at the face of it and so I find social interactions very difficult and I practice very hard so that it doesn't look like it's difficult for me but because I practice so hard it's a lot of energy that it requires for me to be able to do it and so then when you're the face of something 
and you're dealing with 20, 30, 40, 50 people a day, for me, that's way more difficult than like building business. You say naturally an introvert? Yeah, very much so. so this is what's fascinating. I think it's like statistically 80% of entrepreneurs are introverts. Right. Like I quite happily would sit at home in my office all day and just work and yeah. talk to anyone. And like I'm naturally like that, but I've learned to become extrovert to be able to like do what I have to do in market and sell. And I think that's sure. an example where people have to be able to adapt and evolve over a period of time. Yeah, you have to do it. And it's, again, like if you take it back to comp prep or something, like if you, there's probably days that you're going to hate it. Like you're going to hate having that same meal every single time. But you have to do it because you know what the result will be at the end of that if you do all those things. And if you don't, and you get six months down the line, the only person you've got to blame is yourself. Like you knew what was required and you just didn't do it. You dropped the ball. So you've only got yourself to blame for it. So, And this is why I find anyone listening to this or watching this, fitness is so much easier in business because and that's why people ask me like, why are you competing? It's like actually find it, I don't know if relaxing is the right word, but like I'm in complete control of what yeah. I eat, what I do, how I sleep, how I train, whatever. Like I have control of everything. Yeah. I can't control the economy. I can't control Instagram shutting my Instagram account down, mm. blocking my Facebook ads. I don't know, my emails going to people's spam folders. Like I can't control those things. Yeah. Whereas if you focus on the areas you can control, and I think it's the same thing with anyone who's got a lot of things they're worried about in life. If you've got five things you're, you're worrying about, you can only control four of them. Uh, you, can, you can't control four of them. You should probably forget about those four mm. and just focus on the one you can actually make a difference about. Yeah, I totally agree. What can I ask you? What gives you like fulfillment out of your day to day? The thing, this is interesting. So I, this is probably, this year has been very much like a year of self-development and awareness and almost like shit. I've spoken about this in a couple of other podcasts we've done recently about like shedding the identity of who I was before mm. to become who I feel I truly am. And I think I was probably hiding that for a very long period of time. Right. And I think I've realized that I don't really like, it sounds weird, but I don't want to be happy. Like I don't, like, I don't sit on JBR drinking cocktails or nothing or like yeah, that's yeah. not what I'm interested in for me I seek fulfillment over happiness and like fulfillment for me is like seeing like I don't know, clients on Facebook group or messaging me being like I've dropped like 20 pounds this mm. is insane I can't believe like this is the best I've ever felt thank you that you changed my life blah 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 or like clients on the mastermind like we went for dinner with a couple of them to the Cheesecake Factory the other night like being so appreciative of how they've how I've changed their lives and yeah. there was a guy uh, Ian in Canada who I think he came to us was making like $5,000 a month and then uh, four months later he's making 50 quit his other job now like works from home looks after his family and he's like you've literally changed my whole family's yeah. life and like when you get messages like that like fucking like it's the weirdest I can't express the, fu- the fuzzy feeling mm. like feeling I get emotional talking about it but like it makes you feel really good inside yeah. and like you have an impact on people and like not influence isn't what I'm looking for but to know you've helped other people and the knock on effects that come from that because a lot of people have had a very positive impact on my life so now I feel it's like that duty to pay it back sure. and try and steer people away from the icebergs that sat in front of them because yeah. like you would know what I mean like I speak to young trainers sometimes like I can see them like the Titanic going to the iceberg and I'm like you yeah. probably shouldn't do that yeah and sometimes they listen sometimes they don't but like it's easy when you you don't know what you don't know yeah. and everyone's got a blind spot in life and I think that comes like I said earlier in terms of experience and self-awareness to become aware of where you're weak and where you're strong and that's why I think I'm a big advocate advocate of like mentoring and coach, coaching so I've got like three or four different like mentors in my life I mentor a lot of people within the mastermind that we have and a lot of people for fitness coaching and I think for me that's one of the things that's I found really like life changing like as soon as I yeah. for me that's like cracking the code so like for you reading like how to build a website for dummies you're like fuck this is how I do this yeah. for me it's like who can I pay and learn from who's done exactly what I want to do sure and then I'll go and do whatever I want to do yeah. and like that's now the next game for me is like as you get to different levels is identifying who can get me to the next level of yeah. what I want to do or who I want to be if that makes sense yeah yeah for sure and you can see just in the way you talk about it like how much it means to you yeah 100% like it just drives you every day yeah 
Yeah. Like, and it's, I'm excited for it. Like, I know, yesterday I couldn't sleep, so I got up at three o'clock and started working. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. people think I'm fucking weird, but like, I, like I start messaging people at 3 a.m. like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, but like, when you, I've never really understood the expression when I used to work in my stage and she job like nine to five and not hated it, but it was just, just shit. I don't know mm. if it's another word. And when you actually like enjoy what you do and you're excited about it, yeah. it's similar to you. Like my girlfriend has to fucking drag me away yeah. to like stop me working. I'm like, oh, can I just do like, and I just need to do like another hour. Yeah. I've got to finish this. <laughs> like, and that's when you know like you're really excited about what you do and where you'll be successful with what you do. Because sure. if you enjoy it and you're passionate about it and you'll go all in on it, like, yeah. I said to you before we began, it's like, when I made the decision to move here in January, I was like, you're fucking all in now. There's yeah. like, you've burnt the boats, you've jumped with both feet, like there's no turning back. Yeah. Have you ever had a moment like that? What, jumping into things? Yeah, like yeah. both feet and then like, you can't come back out of that. Always, yeah. I heard a, like an interesting phrase, it was from like some motivational guy, but he said he never has a plan B because it distracts from plan A. And so that's just me to a T. It's I never worry about what if. It's like, I'm going to do it. And if I fail... I'll fail spectacularly knowing that I gave absolutely everything I could to try and make it happen. There's no point in like half-assing something. I think that's the biggest mistake I see people making. And I don't know if you agree with this, but it's like the whole like balance of life thing. Like I know what people mean, but it's like, mm. for example, if someone's trying to compete with me on some business aspect, if you want to have a balanced life and only work like 20 hours a week, I'll fucking destroy you because yeah. I don't care. Like, yeah, for sure. Th th there comes a point, and it's people who work way harder than me, and obviously there's the element of working smart, working hard, mm. but you have to have a combination of both. But I think to truly excel and be the best at whatever you do, you can't have naturally, like yeah. what people quote is like a nine to five, Monday to Friday balance, yeah, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, and I don't, like every day is, there's no Saturday or Sunday, Monday, Friday, whatever. It's all just life is combined with everything that I'm doing and there, there's no way you couldn't and I think the same as like doing a diet or something right if you did the exact precise like chicken rice broccoli to a tea versus trying to do a fit your macros I would suggest that someone who's doing the, the broccoli rice and chicken is going to get a better result than someone doing if it fits your macros it's not sexy but it's what, what yeah, works right exactly one final question to ask you Mark mm. what piece of advice would you give your 18 year old self oh man I actually have no idea what I would say to myself because everything that there's nothing that I could say to 18-year-old me that would have made any difference because 18-year-old me was a stubborn little fucker that would have just been like, well, I'm going to do it this way anyway. What made your mindset change with that? Was it a pivotal point? Yeah, realize, the realization for me, in the, so I found in the beginning, like 18, 19 and early 20s, it was, I was very closed off to everything else. I thought that I knew best. I thought that if I tell someone what I'm doing, they're going to want to take it away from me or they're going to want to do it. And it was only really probably like, five to 10 years ago that I realized that actually people, and I think it's because of the level you're at, right? When you're at a very low level, we're all sort of scurrying to get above each other and to be better than each other. But then when you get to a certain level, the people you're then surrounded with actually want you to be successful and encourage you to be successful. And so for me at that point, like five to 10 years ago is when it, it changed. And, it, and you sort of realize that, oh, actually people aren't out to get you. Like we're all just trying to achieve the same end goal and you can just vibe off other people to help each other to get there. With that being said, if you lost everything tomorrow, what would be the one skill you'd want to keep? One skill I'd want yeah, to keep. Or most important skill or personal attribute. I, I'd want to keep my integrity. Like No only fans then. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think integrity is, is such a huge thing. I think that opens doors for you okay. because you could have a big network, but unless you deliver on your promise and you over deliver for people, then having a big network doesn't matter. Like you have to be the person that people can rely on and the people come to you because you're going to do a good job. And so having that integrity is like really important to me. Interestingly, and I don't give a shit about throwing people on the bus, 
as soon as I started working with you, I was impressed straight away. So we used to work with my PT hub that I know, I think we go through a corporate buyout and all this other stuff. And they were a fucking nightmare, never listened to anything and literally just didn't give a shit. You listened and that's why like instantly I bought into you straight away. And that's when you talk about Thank integrity you. is the first thing that comes into mind. So Thank you. that's why I have a huge amount of trust in terms of you and the success of everything you do in the future and like enjoy everything you do. So Thank you so much. Really want to appreciate it. So thank you for your time today, Mark. Where's the best place for people to find out about Kahuna's, you, anything else? Uh, Kahuna's.io. And on Instagram, it's Kahuna's.io without the dot, but Kahuna's.io is the best place to go. Thank you very much for your time. Anyone else listening to the podcast and found this inspiring and insightful, make sure you leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode very soon. Awesome.